bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacy. Living Word with Pastor Mansa Otoko. And now, today's word. Today I am doing part two of my message that I started two weeks ago, uh, titled Faith to Refuse. And this is part two of Faith to Refuse. We know that faith is essential for us to receive from God. And faith is essential for us to become what God wants us to be. And faith is essential for us to pull down strongholds and and receive miracles. But in this uh, two-part message, I am focusing on faith that does not just receive, but refuses or rejects. And sometimes we need faith to refuse something. In part one... We looked at Moses, who by faith refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused a wrong label and a wrong mission. In this part two today, we're going to look at Abraham, who also had faith to refuse. And the narrative or the story is in Genesis chapter 14 and verses 18 to 23. Genesis 14, 18 to 23. Just to give you a little background to this story, uh, Abraham lived with his nephew called Lot. And uh, as they grew, their businesses grew, their cattle grew, uh, and it was necessary for them to separate. And Abraham gave Lot the first option And uh, instead of passing on his uncle's option, uh, he took it. And he exercised the first option and chose uh, what he considered the most fertile land around. And that is the land of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he went to live there uh, for for some time. And there was a war. And uh, uh, some kings, five kings, came against Sodom and Gomorrah and uh, other towns or cities around. The five kings uh, were able to conquer Sodom and Gomorrah and the other towns and took people captive. And that's what happened in those days. If you're conquered, they take you captive to go and sell you as slaves. So they took the people captive, including Lot. And not only did they take the people captive, they took all the property captive and, and, and ran away. So somebody came to tell Abraham that Lot, your nephew, uh, has become a victim in this war and he's been taken uh, as, uh, as a slave. And, and, and his family and his property and the property of his town, his city, everything is gone. Abraham was not a soldier, but he put together 318 people and decided to go and fight those who have come to conquer uh, his nephew's town. And God gave him the victory, Abraham won. And when he won, uh, he won the victory not only to get Lot out, but all the uh, nations that had been conquered. He took uh, their, their people free, he liberated their slaves, uh, got their property back. And now Abraham is the new champion. He has won the great victory, he's returning. And uh, when he's returning, he's met by Two kings, one called Melchizedek, we will not say much about him today, 
and then the another king and both kings made an offer and we're going to read how Abraham responded. So Genesis chapter 14 verse 18 to 23. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. That's where tithing started. Verse 21. Now the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abraham rich. Two kings came to meet Abraham, Melchizedek, uh, king of Salem and Melchizedek brought bread and wine and a blessing for Abraham. Then after Melchizedek is king of Sodom. Now we have to remember uh, Melchizedek king of Salem had not been part of this drama. In other words, his country had not been attacked. He had not lost anything. He just came with a blessing to congratulate Abraham. But the king of Sodom, his property had been taken and he had lost so much and he offered things to Abraham and Abraham refused them. And for us to understand why Abraham refused them, I mean, he's worked hard for it. He had conquered. Why is he refusing a blessing? So we're going to look at three of the statements that Abraham made and we'll examine each one of them and to address them appropriately as to why Abraham had faith to refuse. The first thing that Abraham said was that I have raised my hand to the Lord. I have raised my hand to the Lord. Now that phrase, I have raised my hand to the Lord, means I've made a vow to God. Now uh, that, that practice is still uh, in vogue now when you have to swear an oath if you go to a court uh, or you're going to swear into an oath into an office, they'll, they'll tell you, raise your hand. You raise your hand and put the other hand on a Bible or some other sacred object and then you take your vow. So uh, it was happening at this time. Abraham did the same thing. He raised his hand to God. So Abraham took a vow. The implication of that statement, I have raised my hand to God, is that Abraham had made an oath in the past. Before he set out to fight the battle against the five kings who had captured his nephew, Lot, he made a vow to God. He didn't make the vow after the battle. He made it. So he said, God, I'm going to this battle. And in this battle, I make this vow. So that's very important. He made a vow to God before the battle. But it also means that the oath he made to God or the vow he made to God was still in force. Abraham was not saying, well, I made a vow to God. Now the situation has changed. I have to change the vow. 
He made a vow in the past and the vow was still in force. After the battle, Abraham is saying, before I went out to do this battle, I made a vow to God. And that vow is still working now. It's very important. A vow in the past that is still having effect now. So that's the first statement Abraham made. I have raised my hand to the Lord. Second statement Abraham made. I will not take anything that is yours. So that is the vow he made. He made a vow to God and said, I will not take anything that is yours. I will not take anything that is yours. Why did Abraham make that vow? We'll get to know later uh, to, to try to examine why he made that vow. He's going into battle. His nephew Lot has been captured with his wife and children. Properties have been taken from his city and from everybody. And Abraham is going to attempt a rescue. And he says, Lord, when I go to this battle and win, I will not take anything from these people. I will not take anything. And he made that vow before he went into battle. That vow was a self-imposed limitation or a self-imposed restraint. Abraham placed an embargo on himself. He stopped himself from doing something. And he itemized what he will not take to include a thread or a sandal strap. Now, in today's language, if Abraham was making such a vow, he would not say a thread or a sandal strap. He would have said, I will not take a peswa. That's what he would have I will not take a peswa. And if he was British, I will not take a penny. And if he was American, I will not take a cent. And if he was Nigerian, I will not take a cobble. So Abraham is saying, I'm not going to take anything. I will not take a thread. I will not take a sandal strap. I will not take a peswa. I will not take a penny. I will not take anything. Can you imagine he's going into battle? He doesn't even know how it's going to tell. What if God gives you so much? And he says, I will not take anything out of it. That's the vow he made. And uh, when he said it, he's, he, he actually specifically directed that vow to the king of Sodom. He says, I will not take anything that is yours, Mr. King. I will not take anything that is yours. It was specifically directed to the passing and the situation he was involved in. It was not just a general rule. Because as you know, he took bread and wine and blessing from Melchizedek. So Abraham is not saying, I'm not going to take anything at all. But I will not take anything that is yours, Mr. King of Sodom. That's interesting. So why would Abraham... Before he even knows the outcome of a battle, make a vow to God and say, God, when I go to this battle, I'm not going to take anything from the king of Sodom. I'm not going to take anything from him. He answers it, lest you say I have made Abraham rich. So Abraham is saying, I'm not going to take anything from you 
so that in future you will take credit for my success. I'm not going to take anything from you because I don't want you one day to take away God's glory from my success. When Abraham said, I will not take anything away from you, lest you say, I have made Abraham rich. There, there is an implied statement there. And the implied statement is that Abraham knew he would be rich. He knew he would be rich. He knew he was destined to be rich. He had full confidence in how his future would turn out. In fact, in Genesis chapter 13 verse 2, the Bible says Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. This is before chapter 14. So already he had prospered. But he would prosper more. And he was careful who should get the glory for his prosperity. And so he says, Mr. King of Sodom, before this battle, I made a vow to God, I will not take a peswa, a cent, a cobble from your hand. Because I don't want you one day to stand somewhere and say, I made Abraham. Because I know God will make me. And I don't want a man to say he made me. So Abraham didn't want to deny God the glory for his riches. He was determined that nothing will happen to take away God's glory from what will happen to him in the future. So, I mean, when you read the Bible and you read this and you ask, why did he make such a vow concerning the king of Sodom? Well, I mean, some of these things are not directly explained because the, the next verse did not say, because, and then tell us why he did it. So you have to read the scripture to get a sense of why Abraham will make such a statement. So let's look at why Abraham refused. And this is why I believe he refused. Two things. One is the source of the offer. Where the offer was coming from. Because he said to the king of Sodom, I will not take anything that is yours. He didn't say I won't take anything from anybody else. But you, Mr. King of Sodom, I'm not taking anything from you. The source of the offer was that Sodom, as we know, was associated with evil. So, maybe Abraham did not want to associate his future prosperity with an evil source. He didn't want, although he's already rich, he didn't want this one act to come and mess up the testimony that God is going to give him in the future. So he says, even before the battle had been determined, whilst he's going in, he says, God, I know you give me the victory. I know that you give me everything, uh, but I'm not going to take anything from the king of Sodom. I'm not going to take anything from him. Why? I believe the source the source. But that is not a perfect answer. Because there were also other people that Abraham took gifts from. 
who were not the best of people like Abimelech in Genesis chapter 20 uh, who wanted to take Abraham's wife from him. He wanted to steal Abraham's wife and, and later God went to warn him and the man gave gifts to Abraham and Abraham accepted. Now if you can accept gifts from a man who wanted to take your wife, then, then it means that he was a bit accommodating. So the first reason could be, but there's a second reason. Maybe the source was evil. The second reason is the circumstance of the offer. The circumstance of the offer. And that, I believe, was the main reason. The circumstance of the offer. Sodom had already lost so much. And I believe Abraham said, I will not take anything out from the king of Sodom because he didn't want to take undue advantage of Sodom's calamity. The people of Sodom had suffered a lot at this time. Their city was attacked, destroyed, their citizens and goods taken away from them. And if you read the passage, especially verse 10, there is an indication that their king might even have died in the battle. So this king who is making the offer is a new king who has come in after the first king had died when they were attacked. If that is the case, it would then seem as if Abraham looked at it and said, these people are at the lowest point of their lives. They've lost everything. Their king has died. Citizens have been killed. I am there to go and deliver them. And I'm not going to take advantage of the situation to make myself rich. Lest one day somebody will say, oh, Abraham, he destroyed others in order to prosper. He took advantage of other people who were down in order for him to rise up. Abraham pulled people down to get up. I believe that is the reason why he said, I'm not going to take anything from the king of Sodom. Because if you look at the king, the, the, the case properly in verse 21, the king of Sodom made Abraham an offer. He said to Abraham, give me the persons and take the goods. So he's saying, just the people who, whom you have gone to rescue, give them to me and take the goods. Now why is he saying that? Because he doesn't deserve either. Because in those days, if you go to war, whatever you capture is yours. So when Abraham went and rescued the people, it means actually, not only are the people the property now of Abraham, the king himself is a property of Abraham. Because he has now come to rescue them. And not only that, all the items that were rescued... Well, for Abraham, so legitimately, legally, Abraham is the owner of the people and the goods. He has ended by right, by hard work, to the peril of his life. If anybody should say, I worked for it, I labored for it, I sweated for it, I, 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 I did everything for it, it's legal, it's Abraham. The goods are his, the people are his. So the king says, I know they are yours, but just give me the people so we go and start afresh. 
and keep the goods. And Abraham says, I'm not going to take anything from you. Because before this war, I had made a vow to God that I will not take anything from you. So what is faith to refuse in this matter? Faith to refuse is believing so much in the future God has planned for you that you refuse to get there by any means necessary, including destroying or taking advantage of others. Believing so much in the future God has planned for you that you refuse to get there by any means necessary, including destroying or taking advantage of others. So there are certain times that God will give you an advantage in life and you must refuse it. That's faith to refuse. What Abraham did is very similar to what David did. When he had opportunity to kill David, uh, Saul. David knew he would be king of Israel. He had been anointed king. As a matter of fact the Bible says an evil spirit was now upon Saul. And to make matters worse. Saul was pursuing David to kill him. Now David has an opportunity to kill Saul. So that he becomes king. And he refused to do it. He refused to become a king At the expense of killing Saul. David had faith to refuse. Elisha gave direction for the healing of Naaman. And he earned his reward. Naaman brought reward and Elisha refused it. Because he said it was not time yet for him to refuse, uh, accept such things. So... There are times when it seems as if everything is to your advantage. But your success is going to totally destroy another person. And you refuse that kind of success. It is called faith to refuse. Abraham said, Mr. King, I'm going to give you back your people. And I'm going to give you back the goods. Because I know I will be great in the future. And I don't want somebody to come and say, oh Abraham, you know why he prospered? Because he went out there and he impoverished the people of Sodom. And he took everything from them. That's why he's rich. He says, I vow to God I will never do that. So let me ask you a few questions. If you knew that God will make you rich. Would you steal to get rich? If you knew that God will lift you up in life, would you want to bring somebody down in order for you to rise up? If you knew that your church or your business would increase and grow and become mighty, would you attack others and what they have built in order to grow yours? Because if you truly have faith in your future, the choices you make will determine your faith. If you knew that God will give you a beautiful family life, a life partner, your own husband, your own wife, give you a decent family, give you a good home, would you take somebody's partner for yourself? I don't, I'm not going to design an answer from you. 
I will say it again. If you knew, God will give you your own partner. Would you take somebody's partner away from them? If you knew God has a glorious future for you, would you say ugly things about somebody else in order to get fame and popularity? Abraham knew God will make him rich. He knew as for riches, I will become. And it is not this time with Sodom that will make uh, or unmake my future prosperity. And he was able to look at Mr. King's, King of Sodom and said, first of all, you are a bad man. Leader of an evil people. That's number one. Secondly, you are at the lowest level of your life. You lost everything. And God has used me to redeem you. But I'm not going to take advantage of what God has used me to do. I'm going to allow you to keep everything you have and go on with your life. Because I know God is going to make me great and richer than you. And I don't want history to come back and say, I became rich because I destroyed you. It is called faith to refuse. Abraham knew that. So the question you want to ask yourself. If you were David and Saul was harassing you. And now you can kill him to become the next king. Would you kill him? Or you have faith to refuse that opportunity? Do you have faith to refuse to destroy your enemies? Do you have faith to refuse to take advantage of someone in a vulnerable situation? Do you have faith to refuse to pull down someone so you can take their position? Do you have faith to refuse to repay evil for evil? If you truly believe that God is taking you somewhere... Would you take shortcuts? In part one, we saw that Moses refused a wrong label. And today, we see Abraham refusing to take advantage of a vulnerable person. At some point in your life, in my life, we must have faith to refuse. Although it may seem as if, oh, this is a good opportunity. Oh, if I don't take advantage of it, I don't know when another opportunity is going to come from. If the God you serve is the ancient of days, the same yesterday, today, and forever, new mercies come every morning. Why do you think if this one passes, God will not show you another mercy? And God will not open a better door for you. Why do you limit yourself to only one moment in history as the only moment God can bless you? Abraham had faith to refuse. But let me stretch this message a little further. In application. And apply it to us Africans. If we believe in the greatest greatness of Africa, we must have faith to refuse wrong labels on us like Moses Labels like poor, underdeveloped, and all the other labels. We must not call ourselves by it, and we must reject it when we are called by it. If we believe in the greatness of black people, we must have faith to refuse to see ourselves as victims in every situation. 
the world for everything that goes wrong with us. We must have faith to reject victimhood. If we believe in the greatness of the wealth that God has placed in our land, in our continent, we must have the faith to refuse to sell that wealth cheap or for nothing. Because there is a market for it. And if we believe in the greatness of our people, we must have faith to refuse to destroy them. Because if we believe that the greatest asset of a nation is its people, then we must have faith in the people and not destroy them. If we believe in the greatness of our, of our citizens, we must have faith to refuse looking up constantly to foreign aspects. Even if they seem to have the answer, we should not let China or America or Great Britain or Germany or Canada or any other nation say they are the redeemers of Africa. They are the ones who helped us. We were the helpless people and, and we were so down they came to pick us up. We must refuse them that testimony. Abraham says, I refuse you, king of Sodom, the testimony of saying, I made Abraham rich. And Africa must say, we refuse you, China, the right to say, we redeem Africa. We refuse you, Canada, the right to say, we redeem Africa. We refuse you, Germany, the right to say, we redeem Africa. We refuse you, Great Britain, the right to say, we redeem Africa. And we refuse you, America, the right to say that you made us who we are. We want as a nation, as a people, to stand somewhere five years, ten years, twenty years from now and say, look what God has done for us. But for us to do that, we have to be like Abraham. We have to say, I refuse to accept what you are offering me now because I believe too much in my destiny. I believe too much in where I'm going. Do you believe in where you are going? Do you believe in where God is taking you? Do you believe God has a husband for you, a wife for you, prosperity for you, abundance for you, peace for you, greatness for you? Do you believe he will make you the head and not the tail? If you believe that, then you're not going to try to build, bring somebody down, take from somebody, destroy another person in order to get it. And Abraham believed he would be rich. And he said, I will not do this lest you would say, I have made Abraham rich. Why? Because I will be rich. If this opportunity passes, I will still be rich. If I don't destroy you, I will still be rich. If I don't steal from you, I will still be rich. If I don't try to bring you down, I will still be rich. And I have so much faith in God that I will let this one go. I will let this one go because I have faith in my future, in my promise, in my destiny. And today I came here to encourage you. God has a great destiny for you. And you must have so much faith in him. That you refuse anything that will destroy the testimony that God wants to give you in the future. Lift up your hand to God like Abraham. And say with me, Heavenly Father, 
I know the plans you have for me. They are for good and not for evil. I know the greatness you have for me. They, it is for good and not for evil. I know you will prosper me. I know you will bless me. I know you will make me happy. I know you will make me joyful. I know you will cause me to abound. So I refuse any offer that will destroy my testimony. I vow to you, O oh God, that when you have done it, all the glory will be yours. When you have done it, you will deserve all the glory. When you have done it, the whole world will say, this is the doing of the Lord. And it is marvelous in our sight. May the Lord give you a testimony that the whole world cannot resist. And when men see it and women see it, they would say, look what the Lord has done for him and for her. Your testimony is coming. Don't rush for it. It's coming. You will be it. You will be it. You will be it. You will be it. And God will make you it. Whatever it is, you will be it. And you will get there. And you will be all that God has caused you to be. And your testimony will only go to the Lord God Jehovah. Are you ready for that? Give God some praise this morning. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebi, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebi. Email otterville at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.